Steve, great job as always. We've come to the main message portion of our service now, so let's get our Bibles out. And we'll start with prayer. Heavenly Father, as we open our Bibles, your very word that you inspired, every thought, every syllable, we just pray that the Holy Spirit will open our minds and our hearts to take in what is prepared today and that uh, we will be more pleasing in your sight as a congregation and as individual Christians. Teach us today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll open to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. This past uh, week at our Bible study, as uh, Pastor Dave was finishing up the book of Hebrews, we were in the 13th chapter, and uh, we learned a lesson about uh, church leadership. And I'd like to uh, share that with you today. But we'll start here in Ephesians chapter 4. It talks here about church leadership. I'd like to just mention a few particular principles about church leadership before we get to the book of Hebrews. But you know, church leadership is something that's very important for every congregation. Church leadership is something that God provides. It's actually a gift of the Holy Spirit. There are various and sundry gifts of the Spirit within each congregation, and leadership is one of those gifts. It says in Ephesians 4, verse 11, it was He, Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. So, leadership in the church, along with the other gifts of the Holy Spirit, exists for this reason. Verse 12, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So leadership in the church is something that's very important, and it's something that God provides. Uh, leadership does not exist for itself or for its own self-aggrandizement. In other words, uh, leadership doesn't promote itself or just want to become powerful or important. The leaders that God provides in the church are servants for the congregation. And they are there, strengthened by God, guided by God, directed by God for the benefit of the congregation. Because our goal is to all mature, to become more and more like Jesus Christ, to attain the fullness of Christ and, and full spiritual maturity. And that's very pleasing to God. So church leaders are directed by God. They continually ask for guidance. They're very careful to preach well, they have been told to, be, to, to have preached the gospel, everything from God's word. They're very careful when they speak because they speak the very words of God. And as we're doing right here today. Another principle about leadership in the church is that leadership is always to be shared. You know, when you read through the book of Acts and when you read through Paul's epistles, often he sends greetings to the churches and he mentions particular individuals and quite often he mentions several individuals in each of those congregations whether it be at Rome at Corinth 
in, in Ephesus because leadership was always formed in groups. And that's a good thing. Uh, here we have a pastoral team in our congregation. And that's a very good thing because uh, when there's one person who is in control of everything, there's a tendency based on human nature for the person to become tyrannical, <laughs> to uh, want to have all control, to, to get involved in people's lives, to get his own or her own ideas that they're preaching. But it's good to have multiple uh, a plurality of, of elders in the congregation. And I, I'm glad that we have that because we all kind of keep an eye on one another. Uh, we're always aware of what's being taught, of what's being done. We have rules that we all follow. Uh, you know, when we uh, counsel with members that there's more than one of us there just to, to be on the safe side, just to make sure things are done properly and, and in a way that's pleasing to God. So uh, shared leadership prevents tyranny of any one individual. And you still see that in some churches today where there's one person who is in charge of everything and in charge not only of, of what's taught but in charge of people's lives and you see some terrible things done in the name of Christianity, unfortunately. So it's good to have a pastoral team, to have a shared leadership uh, indeed, there is always one lead elder. Uh, you know, the church of God is not a democracy. Sometimes people think, well, it should be that way. Uh, one person, one vote, we all get a vote, we all decide by voting what should be done. Keep in mind that God's church is not a democracy, it is a theocracy, which means God is in charge. <laughs> it is God's church. He has put it in the hands of His Son, Jesus Christ. It is Jesus Christ who appoints and gifts individuals within the church to lead. So it's all done under God's uh, observation, God's guidance and leadership. So in our congregation, we have a pastoral team, and all of the pastors in our team have different strengths, which is great. There's a mixture of strengths, as you just saw. Pastor Steve specialty is in music and worship. We have uh, Pastor Nora, whose uh, gift is in ch being a chaplain, and she has the ability to go into a hospital setting or go amongst people who may not even be Christians and in some ways represent God to them. She's been trained in that regard. Pastor Dave not only takes care of all of our IT stuff here and keeps things working in that respect, but I know he has a special heart for approaching people with the gospel message and challenging them in certain ways to get them thinking about God in maybe ways that they had never done. He enjoys doing that. And he enjoys being a kind of a scout on the lookout for false teachings and, and, and protecting the congregation against those sorts of things, false gospel messages. We also have Pastor Bill and Pastor Oren as well, too. So it's good to have leadership in the form of a team. So God has provided leadership for our congregation. But you know what? We have to keep in mind that we live in a world today and in a society that is very much opposed toward authority and leadership in their lives. One author said it this way, ours is a talk back, bite back, get even society that is ready to resist and sue for the slightest provocation. 
defiance, resistance, violence, retaliation are our style. All authority is to be challenged, they say, even in the church. Even the Bible is to be challenged for its authority. That's the world that we live in. You know what? We need to be careful because we can be affected by that attitude. We have to realize that authority, especially in the church, is something that is very important. Authority in society is very important. You know, we need to teach our children that you need to be respectful toward those in authority, whether it's at school, we're talking about your teachers, your principal at school, you need to be very respectful. When it comes to the police, you know, if you get pulled over, you need to be very respectful to that person that God has put in charge of authority over you in society. In fact, there's scriptures about that. You know, they carry weapons for a purpose. And you need to be respectful of those weapons. Do what you're told. Don't be a smart aleck when it comes to dealing with the police. Be very respectful. There needs to be respect for authority in the home. Mother and father, the authority figures that God has placed in the home. Our society is becoming very anti-authority. And we need to be careful as, as Christians because we can be affected by those attitudes that are found in society. There is a group appointed for leadership of others uh, in the church. Yet we're all responsible to Jesus Christ. Even the leaders in the church are responsible to Jesus. So there's kind of a chain of command that God has set up in the church. But we're all responsible to Jesus for our actions. The leaders as well. And they're cautioned in the Bible to take great care in how they handle their leadership in the church because they're all answerable. Now, there are three characteristics that spiritual leaders in the church are to have. The first is spiritual maturity. In 1 Peter chapter 5, turn with me there. You know, we're very careful and, you know, we're not in the process of appointing anybody new to, to the congregation as far as leadership is concerned. But I think it's good occasionally that we uh, discuss these subjects. Before we ever choose someone under God's guidance to be made an elder or to become part of a leadership team, we know we need to find someone with spiritual maturity. This is what uh, it talks about here in 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. He says, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's suffering, and one who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock. Keep in mind, it's not your flock, leader. It's God's flock. You've been placed in a position of authority and leadership. So be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. Because if you don't care for it properly, God can remove you as the leader, and he will. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers. Not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be. So, you know, before ordaining somebody into the ministry, we always make sure that this is something that they desire to do. That they have a heart for ministry. We don't want to put somebody in a position of 
authority or leadership who doesn't really have a heart for God's people, a love for God's people. Not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Because your job as a leader is actually a servant. You know, sometimes uh, people in our society lose sight of that. You know, don't we vote for politicians to become our servants in Congress? I think a lot of times they lose sight of that, <laughs> that they are our servants. They think that we're their servants. But uh, it's an attitude of, of service that you're really uh, seeking after, eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. So imagine as a leader in the church and as one in authority, your life is an example to the rest of the congregation. That's a humbling thing to consider. And when the chief shepherd, yeah, we're temporary shepherds, physical shepherds of the flock, don't forget there's a chief shepherd, Jesus Christ, who's returning. And he's going to come back and all of the physical shepherds are going to have to answer to him for the jobs that they've done. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. So a leader in the church has to be one with spiritual maturity. Not a new person, not somebody who's spiritually immature, but somebody who has a sense of what they've been called to do. A second thing that a, a, a church leader needs, not just spiritual maturity, but spiritual authority. I want to turn to Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1, beginning in verse 6. Paul, in writing to Titus, says this, An elder must be blameless. Now, that doesn't mean that the person is perfect. Certainly, they're forgiven, and they continually to seek forgiveness for the sins that they have and the shortcomings that they have. An elder must be blameless, the husband of but one wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer is entrusted with God's work, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. So, as a pastoral team in the church, we're very careful to preach what we have been taught. And there's a lot of ministers out there who like to come up with their own crazy ideas about the Bible. Their pet uh, you know, teachings or personal ideas that they think about God or you know, something new and something different. You know, we in the congregation make sure that we preach the gospel, 
Like Paul said, I preach Christ and Him crucified. Don't get tired to hear that message because it's the gospel and it's the most important message that has ever been taught. So our basic teaching is about Jesus Christ. It will center on Him always. And you know what? Whenever any of us get up here to give a message or to give a sermon, we're all listening to each other. And if it should ever happen that somebody gets up here and starts teaching a message that is different from the gospel that we have received, we're going to talk to the, that member about it, to that elder, and say, hey, wait a minute, I'm not quite sure what you were preaching in that message. You know, maybe you can clarify, but this is the way it came across. You know, we all back each other up and make sure that whatever is preached is the authoritative gospel. It's according to the scripture. And we're all very conscientious about that. We want to make sure that we're all preaching the same thing and what we preach is from God's word. It's not our own personal crazy idea. We've been given authority to preach. You know what? It's a very important responsibility to come up here and to talk to God's people and to teach them about God's word, especially when we have new people come in who might be hearing the gospel for the first time. We want to be very careful that we try to teach as plainly and, uh, you know, in a way that can be easily understood. So, spiritual maturity, spiritual authority, and a third characteristic that leaders have to have is spiritual responsibility. Spiritual responsibility. I'll turn to 1 Timothy 4. First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 16. Paul says this to Timothy, who was a minister, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So being a minister is not just a matter of coming up here and teaching. That's a very important part of it. But you know the old saying that people pay more attention to what you do rather than to what you say. That's the case with our kids as we're raising them. You know, we can teach them all day how to live and what's the right thing to do, but if they see us living differently, that's going to be a stumbling block for them. And they're going to tend to imitate what we do, not what we say. It's the same thing with a minister in the congregation. Just as important as to what we preach is how we live. And you know what? You see the ministers here every week, sometimes more often than once a week on Sunday. And you're totally aware of their life, their lifestyle, their family, their way of living. That speaks much louder than what we preach up here. So we get up here sometimes and we think, okay, We've got to be very careful. We take a lot of time in preparation as to what we're going to preach about. But really what's more important is how we live. Because that's obvious and open for everybody to see. And not just the church, but the community. So not only do we have to be careful as to how we act at church and how we interact with people, we have to, be, we have, to have the same care as to how we act in the community. Because people are watching us all the time. We represent not just the congregation, but we represent God and the body of Christ all together. So there's a special warning for ministers. Be spiritual, 
be spiritually responsible because you've been given spiritual authority and you must also have spiritual maturity in, in everything that you do. So now let's turn to Hebrews chapter 13, and I'd like to rehearse the, the verse that we were talking about at the Bible study the other week, because there's a lot in actually two verses here. In Hebrews 13, we're going to focus on verses 7 and 17. Hebrews 13, verses 7 and 17. Verse 7 says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now notice verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. So in these two verses here, it brings out some characteristics that I'd like to talk about of a spiritual leader here. And I've got five of them, and they all start with the letter W. So that'll make it easy for us to remember them. In verse 7 of Hebrews 13, it says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God. So the first characteristic about ministers we'll talk about here relates to the word, word. I said they all start with W, so word. They spoke the word of God to you. So your spiritual leaders are people who know God's word. They've spent a lot of time studying God's Word, in some cases, formal education with regard to God's Word. Not only did they speak God's Word to you, they believe God's Word with all their heart. This is what it takes for a spiritual leader. They preach God's Word, but they believe God's Word. They have lived God's Word for many years. They're experienced in God's word. So you know what? Sometimes we think about our ministers of the past. I've worked under several ministers in, in my years in ministry and even before I came into the ministry. I could probably name for you all of the pastors that I had over the years in different congregations. One thing that I certainly remember about all of them is that they preached the word to me. They taught God's word to me. And uh, I even remember some sermons that I've heard over, what, 40 years now, being associated with this church. There are still certain sermons where I had breakthroughs in my life, where I came to really understand God more clearly and really understand God's word more clearly. And it was because of those people, those individuals, those ministers that God had assigned to speak and maybe to teach me personally, to counsel me personally. So one thing that you remember about ministers that you've had in your life is the Word and their relationship of God's Word to you. Because these people were individuals who not only studied God's Word, they believed God's Word, they lived God's Word, they loved the truth, they were able to explain it, and help you apply it in your life. 
So he says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Now the second factor starts with W as well. He says, consider the outcome of their way of life. That's the second word, way. Their way of life. You didn't just hear them talk about the Bible. You saw them, to the best of their ability, live what they taught. Now, keep in mind, no minister is perfect. They're still struggling, as we all are, with issues in their lives, with weaknesses in their lives, but to the best of their ability, they lived a way of life that was to be an inspiration to you. And uh, I know my wife and I, now having served in this congregation for 24 years, we have tried our best in all respects, not perfectly by any means, but to not only teach, but to live, to practice what we preach, in other words. And that's very important. You know, we all hear of incidents where there's a scandal in a church and a, a minister has a major moral breakdown. And unfortunately, they end up losing their job and they get fired by the church and, you know, some major scandal happens. You know, that's something that can happen to anybody. But we know as a responsibility that we have before God, it's one thing for us to preach the word, but it's another thing to live by it. Because we know that we're an example to the congregation, an example of faith, an example of hope, an example of so many things. So, number one, word. Number two, way. Now we come to verse 17. He says, obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They watch. That's the third word, starting with W. They watch. They keep watch over you. And you may not realize it, but the pastor is always aware of the members of their congregation and what they're going through. Now, there are things that you tell us that we're not to share with others that are to be kept confidential, and that's fine. But we're always aware. We're keeping watch over you. We're, we're paying attention to what's going on in your life, things that we need to pray about. We keep watch, just like a shepherd. You know, a shepherd takes his flock out to the fields, and he doesn't just set them free. He's there with a weapon, a staff, a rod, to guide the sheep, to protect them. He's watching over them. Daytime, nighttime, the shepherd is always there. It's always available. So the shepherd has discernment. You know, they can help you with the problems that you're going through in your life. They're not going to force themselves on you. But if you seek help, if you, uh, you know, ask for advice, uh, inspiration, prayers, they're always there. The shepherd watches out for false teachers, false gospels, make sure none of that enters into the congregation. The pastors, the ministers tend to be cautious. They make sure that the congregation, all the members of the congregation are nurtured and cared for, whether it's physical needs, whether it's spiritual needs. In fact, it's up to the pastoral team to decide who becomes a member of the church and who doesn't. You know, if somebody comes along and wants to be a member of the congregation, but we deem that they're a threat to the congregation, 
and that they may want to enter into the congregation for the wrong reasons. You know, we've had uh, people over the years who wanted to be a part of the church because they were politicians and they wanted to come in and get votes. And they wanted to, to become friends with all the members of the congregation so that they would vote for them. Well, that's not going to work out. We could see that they had ulterior motives. Or they wanted to come into the congregation because it was a kind of an open area for them to sell things to people. Maybe uh, they had a certain product that they were trying to sell, you know, storm windows or aluminum siding or something like that. And they thought, well, if I just come into this congregation, I can meet these people and start to, you know, spread the word as to what my products are. Eh, that's not why we have members of the congregation. We're here for Jesus Christ. We're here to grow and mature as Christians and to hear the gospel preached. So the, the leaders are watchful. They want to make sure that the congregation remains what it should be and doesn't become something that it, it shouldn't be. So word, way, watch. Reading on in verse 17, they keep watch over you as men who must give an account. So you know what? They are watched as well. The leadership of the church not only watches, but we are watched. We're constantly being watched by God himself, by church leaders over us, who want to make sure that we function within the bounds that we're supposed to. That the gospel that we preached is the true gospel. We're not preaching our own crazy ideas about God or about the Bible. That our lifestyle is what it should be. We're being watched. You know, we have church leadership over us that we have to, to give reports to. You know, we, you all know Randy Bloom, who is my regional pastor. And he's always in contact with me saying, you know, John, how are things going? How are things going? Not just with the congregation, but in your personal life. How are things going? Having any struggles? You know, we have the opportunity to share with them, for them to pray with us. So we watch the flock, but as leaders, we're being watched as well. I just want to turn to one scripture in Acts 20, verse 28. Acts 20, verse 28. It says here, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. So we're watching, but we're also being watched. And that's a good thing. The final W, we've seen word, way, watch, watched. And in verse 17 of Hebrews 13, it says, obey them so that their work will be a joy. Because they are working. There's a labor involved in being a shepherd, a spiritual leader of the congregation. There's a work involved. And it's God's desire that the work of a shepherd, his work, be a joy, not a burden. And you know what? There can be times where it is a burden. Uh, there was a book that uh, I read years ago called Pastor Killers. Pastor Killers. I thought, wow, that's a, an odd title. 
It doesn't mean that somebody, you know, walks up to a pastor and pulls out a gun and shoots him, but it talks about somebody who tries to control a pastor's life, who just provides so many problems in a congregation, a person who always has issues, always has complaints, is always on the pastor's back. That's a pastor killer. So we need to make sure that we don't become the kind of person who becomes a burden to the pastor. Sure, the pastor is there for you. Come, come to the pastor with your problems. Come to the pastor with some of the issues that you're dealing with. But as the pastor prays for you and as the pastor gives you guidance, follow that advice. Follow that guidance. And with God's help, you know, your life is going to be better. You're going to be able to overcome a lot of those things. But don't just be the person who constantly needs help, constantly needs to be calling the pastor in the middle of the night with this issue or that issue. No, the pastor is there to help you, but then take the help that you've been given and go with it. And by God's strength and God's uh, guidance, you're going to overcome and you're going to grow and mature as a Christian. So we've seen a lot of the, uh, the characteristics of the, of the church leader, but what about the congregation? Here in these same verses, notice some of the words that are used here. In uh, Hebrews 13, verse 7, it says to the congregation, Hebrews 13 and verse 7, remember. So that's the first word that you need to, to consider. Remember your leaders. You know, this past week when I was going through my surgery, I know you were all remembering me and praying for me. And that was so appreciated. But you know what? We need to remember our leaders on an ongoing basis. We need to pray for the leadership of the church. So remember your leaders. It also says here in verse 7, consider. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So we're up here to set an example for you. Notice that example. Follow that example. You know, Paul told a congregation, follow me as I follow Christ. That's a heavy, a heavy thing for a minister to say because it reminds the minister of the responsibility they have to always be living the right way. So consider their way of life and follow it. Verse 17, it says, Obey. Obey your leaders. Don't get swept away by that attitude running through our society today where they disrespect authority and disrespect leaders. You need to obey them. Submit to their authority because their authority is God-given in the church. God selected the church leaders and He empowers them and He gives them guidance so submit to their authority, it says. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy. Cooperate with them. Cooperate with their leadership. If the church is to be successful and pleasing to God, we all need to cooperate together. Amen. And he says here, he talks about advantage. If we do that, if we remember our leaders, if we consider their lifestyle, if we imitate their example, obey their instructions, submit to their authority, cooperate with their leadership, it is to our advantage. He says here, for that would be of no advantage to you if you didn't do those things. So why did God 
choose individuals to be leaders of congregations? Well, it's according to his plan. It's according to how he set the church up. He gifts individuals, he prepares them, he selects them uh, to serve in that particular role. And it is a role of service. It's not a role of domineering people. It's a role of service. God says you need to remember them, you need to consider their example, you need to imitate their example, you need to obey their instruction, submit to their authority, cooperate with their leadership, and if you do, it'll be to your advantage, and it will be to the praise of God. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the church. We'd be lost without it. In the church, you've provided so much for us. It's our family, Lord. We thank you for it. We'd like to thank you especially today for the leadership that you've called to be part of the congregation. We love these people that you've called to be our leaders. We respect them, uh, and we've learned more about them today. And thank you that you've called leaders in our congregation who do their jobs well, who really have a heart for you, Lord, and who have a heart for the members of the congregation. We just pray your special blessing on them today. Help them to do their job more effectively. And Lord, uh, we know that you're watching over them continually. Give them the tools that they need to continue to do the job that they're doing, especially the encouragement, especially the strength, all those things that you provide on a regular basis. Thank you, Lord, for your church and for the blessings that come through it. Help us to be more respectful and receptive of them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.